Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to The Greatest Show on Earth, Talking Terror. We are back with an all-new episode. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this fan pick episode that's going to be presented to you by the Mad Monkey. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 1984 Bloodbath of the House of Death, directed by Ray Cameron, and this is a pick from Rebecca. So thank you so much, Rebecca. And as always, if you have a fan pick of your own, Reach out to us on Instagram, reach out to us on Facebook, and let us know what you want us to cover. That's why we like doing these fan picks. It gives us a break from having to pick one. And sometimes we have fun doing it, just seeing a movie for the first time or maybe for the million. But as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Go VT. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today on this fine, wondrous evening? I know I'm doing well, as always. And we're also joined by... The psychotic simian, the funk monkey himself. Welcome, fresh out the for some more jokes. Hey there, fans. I'm your adorable little satanic simian. That's cuter than a bus full of nuns carrying the coronavirus. That's right. It's me, the Mad Monkey, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Mm. Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror crew, bring you the best goddamn horror podcast in the world. What's up, my horror family? How are we doing tonight, fellas? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we're not doing uh, a lot of that. Uh, something in the closet, it fell apart and exploded. I don't know. But he is not going to be a part of the episode tonight. As uh, as you know, the case, things happen. Uh, but we're going to move on forward without him. So, guys, uh, a, black, a, a black hole erupted in his closet, <laughs> thus causing his closet to implode upon itself. And there he is, trying to work dark matter to try and get the molecules straight in his closet of manliness. Sounds about right. I mean, his rectum? So before we get into some of the bits that I got, uh, do you guys have anything you want to talk about before I talk about some horror news and things I've been watching? Not uh, I. If I. If I could jump in, since we don't have the doc, we have in, we have NECA news, don't we, King? <laughs> More <laughs> no, no, new figures coming out from NECA. Since the doc is in here, we can talk about that and comic books and video games all we want. But <laughs> like the King put on the Talking Terror page, NECA uh, released some unfortunately closed. Uh, but again, really cool looking figures for, from Jaws. Isn't that right, King? <laughs> That's right. We're getting a Quint, and we're also getting a Sheriff Brody figures and a shark. Uh, they said that they're going to be releasing a shark as well to go along with those two figures. Um, but we're also getting Victor fucking Crowley from Hatchet. Finally, an official Victor Crowley figure. Victor and not only that, we're also getting a I can't wait. Like, that's an automatic buy for me. I don't care. <laughs> they're both coming up as soon as they get released in the summer. 
Yeah, uh, again, it's like, you know, anything, again, broken record, you know, kills me because the sculpts look so fucking good for these uh, yeah. Sean Schneider figures. They really do, man. But they're coming out, like you said, they're coming out with a shark in scale. And in scale to these things, yeah. man, that thing's got to be fucking huge. <laughs> no, it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, be. this thing's going to have to be bigger than a Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that they got the official likenesses of Roy Schneider and uh, Robert Shaw for those figures. And they aren't too bad, uh, cloth-wise. It seems like they've improved a little bit. They made the clothing uh, a little bit tighter on these uh, figures. They're not so loose and baggy like they normally yeah. do when you get some NECA figures. Yeah, that's that's the weird thing about the NECA stuff, man. Is sometimes it's like you have some really nice f- fitting clothes on there. Other times they just you know look all super loose and baggy, and it looks like they're just wearing cardboard. It, it really does sometimes, man. It does. So yeah, the the uh, the Jaws figures are going to be released sometime late of this year, uh, and Victor Crowley the figures are going to be available uh, late summer but also on AriesScope.com, which is the official site for Adam Green, creator of Hatchet, he's going to be getting some of these figures and autographing them. And there's going to be a pre-order oh. coming uh, next week where you can oh, actually sweet. buy them and get an autographed copy of one of the figures. That would be cool. <laughs> Good option for a collector out there. Me, I'm going to bust it right out of the package. So I don't want to get autographed. No, i got to display Victor. And all his menacing glory. I mean, eight inches, too, for Victor Crowley. So that's going to tower above some of the figures that are six, which is like the normal size of the figures. Eight inches? Wow, I would have thought Victor Crowley would have been bigger. <laughs> yeah, they showed him comparably to the other figures. And he's yeah, tower. I bet you fuck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a cannon No, price tag is a little bit too high, so it's good to Okay. Uh, so what do we got going for horror news then, King? Well, even before I get to that, because you did mention not only NECA news, but also comic book news. So I wanted to talk to you guys about the big elephant in the room that released the Batman, which released some uh, behind-the-scenes photos of the stuntman oh. dressed up in his and the bat bike, which, wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm a <the> bad bike. <laughs> it's a bat bike, which simply made a cosplay. And dressed up like Batman, but these aren't cosplay uh, pictures. They're actually set pictures. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what it looks like. Because to me, it's like, wow, they, they got to retool this thing. It's not looking too sharp. Mm. Why, why don't you wait? Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously the suit for for whatever the stunt is. Um, gotta have range of motion. Uh, there's gonna be all kinds of digital effects put into play. So, I mean, yeah, right now it looks terrible, but. Obviously, like like anything, let's see what the finished product ends up looking like. I still don't like the mask, but again, with the judging from the dots on that and whatnot, we're going to be seeing, you know, a digital enhancement to that as well. Uh, I know that we, we mentioned it last week, the whole that they're going to bring in the white eyes and all of that stuff. So right. they, they may do other things with the mask too. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Um, and th- same thing. It's like, but at the same time, I'm trying to figure out if. These are still just test shots, and they're maybe figuring stuff out. Maybe they just haven't, you know, come up with the final suit of what exactly they want to do, I hope. You know, and still hoping maybe these are just test shots. 
You know, they've like nothing's secure. You know, nothing's 100% because I hope they are not fully committed to this thing. Is just because the the helmet looks so out of scale to everything else. Um, like we said, those horrible, horrible bat ears, which are so fucking tiny. Um, <laughs> and it's yeah, I, I I just hope that this is a test and they're working on it. Yeah, because I know that they did say that they're actually going to be adding uh, white uh, CGI effects to the eyes, kind of like the cartoon series from back in the day. Uh, so that's why the eyes are so how he is in the comic yeah, book. Yeah. Yeah, and just the bat bike. It just looks silly with the little ears on the headlights. So that's it. I, for one, personally hate the damn thing from the Dark Knight series. So, and I'll take any yep. bike over that, to be perfectly honest with you. Because even though that thing might have had somewhat of a cool appearance, any time you ever saw a shot with that thing, it looked like it was at a snail's pace. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Monkey, you said the same thing. That's that bike in, in Dark Knight. Well, it's, it's, cool. it's just because... You, <laughs> Uh, it's just that you had the stupid shit about we got to sit there and throw that spinning front wheel on the on the damn thing. <laughs> that was just so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's, it's again. I'm I'm just hoping, but again, I just think they're going the wrong route though. Because on top of all this, we have a huge cast that's announced for this movie, um, and it's just are they going to be able to pull off this huge ass cast in this movie? That's going to be the question. Um, I think they'll figure it out in time. But like I said, anything is going to be refined. This movie's not coming out until one. So they have time to figure it out. And look what they did with Sonic. Yeah. They lost their shit over Sonic. And they changed the entire thing. <laughs> and that was in three months. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anything, hopefully the fans, hopefully the fans will get get behind this and get as rapid as they did behind Sonic and get them to maybe change this outfit then, which would be fucking nice right now because it's just looking silly as shit. It's it's looking like, you know, um, they're trying to mix Dark Knight with 60s Batman, and it's just not a good mix. It really isn't. Um, you know, we just got to break part out the, the Bat-Toosie. Part of the problem might be, too, is that Pattinson is not a very bulky person. You know, he's got a small no. frame no. as is, and I don't think yeah, I just don't think he's the kind of actor that's gonna be able to pack on the pounds and muscle that we've seen some of these other guys pull off. Um so the yeah. suit might have to double as the bulkiness here and that might explain why we're seeing some of the the weird things with it that we're seeing. This is true. But speaking of Batman and shit that happens, did did everyone get a chance to watch the season finale of Harley Quinn? Fuck yeah. I did, yeah. I, did. <laughs> I like, oh man, I, like, I'm just like trying not to give spoilers for anyone who watched it, but seriously, the, like, the finale of this thing, like, the finale, like, the last 30 seconds of this episode was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> what do you think, Joel? Oh, I thought the whole series was, for, again, man, we, we, Sang its praise, man, for a, for a while now. Um, it was a great series, you know. It, it really was, and I have to give, uh, you know, what I'm guessing is 
as most cartoons typically run, you know, anywhere from 22 to 24 episodes, I'm guessing that DC originally had that many episodes drawn up. They weren't sure how this thing was going to be received. And as such, because it's been received well, because it's actually good, and people actually are watching it and liking it, we already have season two coming up on April 3rd. So we are about five weeks away from the next season on a series that just ended a week ago. I can't, I'm so oh, excited. Shit. You know, me, you know, me, me and Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me and Zach, uh, we enjoyed every single freaking episode, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting some more real soon. We're going to get the continuation of this damn story. This is awesome. Uh, King, so what did you think of the finale, man? I loved it, because the episode before it, it was so good. It's going into Joker destroying the, the you know, the Doom Squad and everything like that, getting rid of everybody. Justice League is fucking John, thanks to the Mother of Fable. So, you know, you have the <laughs> turmoil, and then unthinkable, and they kill off Poison Ivy for the ending of the episode. I'm like, oh, shit, they just killed off Poison Ivy. That's fucking epic. But the comic book going to come back. They're going to find a way to bring her back in the finale. They're going to kick the shit up. But, yeah, just to see that finale and to see the way it ended with Joker landing in and and then you see that hand coming out of the ground, laughing maniacally, then all of a sudden turning into a human again. I was like, I can't believe What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Gotham's destroyed. There's nothing left. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, are they going to figure out a way to get back the other heroes, or is this going to be a, is this just going to be a completely insane world of villainous proportions? Uh, it's, I don't know. Sky's the limit, man. <laughs> yeah, and I just loved uh, Gotham being in ruins, and you know, Poison Ivy's like, you finally did it, Hive. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Look at it. <laughs> I <laughs> wanted them to start making out. I was like, "Do we get that?" <laughs> nope. That, that no. is. They are saying that uh, it is not off the table of a relationship between those two characters. Ooh. Uh, well, you got to get the guy, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think he's listen, man. Him. You know. You can go both ways, so it's it's all good, you know. Ivy can get the best of both worlds there. You know, can Harley oh, deal? Oh, yeah. That's the question. That's <laughs> eh, yeah. a I don't know, though, man. I think that would make for a really fun love triangle, though, of just, you know, <laughs> Poison Ivy banging them both, and then they're both jealous of each other. So then, you know, then I could see this being played out in the series where every time something happens where now they come across each other, all they're doing is just shooting each other evil looks and stuff like that. And Ivy's like, come on, guys, let's just all get along. You know, I like you both. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait. You know, and yeah, like the ghoul had said, season two is coming so fast. I'm like, they must have had it done already. You know, like I said, with the 23, 24 episodes, they might have had season two done. And they just cut I'm guessing that. I mean, again, cartoons only run, you know, 22, 23 minutes long. So chances are they, they originally had everything drawn out. They just didn't want to put it all out there and run the risk of it, you know, not being good. So, but either way, uh, you know, I'm still waiting. I'm still trying to finish Titans. Uh, you know, it's funny thing about it is it's one of those where I'm really enjoying the series itself. Um, like I'll watch an episode or I'll watch half an episode, but I'll put it on late. And then I won't finish it, and 
it'll take me like a week or two to finally get back to it. Uh, that's how I ended up watching mm-hmm. the new Hellboy movie. You know, same, same exact way. Yeah. <laughs> did you, uh, have yeah, you I finished gotta, that movie yet, Gould? <laughs> I did finish it. I did finally finish it. It only took you 20 viewings, but you finally finished it. <laughs> it took me about four. Four, to be perfectly honest with you. And, uh, yep. Yeah, it was a long way to go. I Thirty minutes and I was out. I'm like, I'm, I'm not in the mood today. I need to do something else. And then I just never went back to it. So I'm like, I got to go back. One of these days, I'll finish it, you know, get past that first 30 minutes. Um, but I don't know. It was tough. wasn't really digging that first uh, half hour. <laughs> okay. It's hard to explain yeah. problems with that movie, man. I know, Ghoul, you're talking about finishing up Hellboy. I actually just started the new series that's on Amazon Prime, for any of you guys that have Amazon Prime out there, uh, starring Al Pacino, Hunters which is about a group of Nazi hunters in 1977 New York City. I'm about six episodes in of the 10-episode run, and, man, if you guys find a way to watch Hunters, definitely do it because it is gory, it's violent, it's so great to see Al Pacino in this series. You know, it makes you want to go out and punch a uh, Nazi right in the face. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just, it's so you're saying it's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this, uh, they show the terrors that happened at Auschwitz and at Buchenwald and what the, the Jews uh, went through with during the Holocaust. And it really goes into places you don't think it's going to go into. Oh, okay. And how they yeah, all migrated after the Holocaust. Yeah. yeah. So the Nazis, you know, migrating to New York City after the Holocaust and assuming names, putting on Southern accents, you know, dyeing their hair and just trying to... It's a weird twist because in the show... They're hunting the Nazis, but the Nazis are trying to come up with a plan to take over New York. Like they're they're slowly, secretly getting together groups of Nazis to take over uh, New York City. So it's a little fiction, a little bit of nonfiction, but it's well worth it. You know, if you want. To yeah, I thought the majority of them went to Argentina and Brazil. Yeah, a lot in Brazil, a lot in Argentina. But yes, they go far from these I love it. Anybody that knows me knows that I love that era of New York City. Trashy, garbage, grind out. Perfect. Now, you might have made a deal with Uncle Sam, but you didn't make a deal with me. <laughs> I just, I love it. Yeah. You know, I just, I'll definitely check that out. I'm streaming right now on Amazon Prime Hunters. Um, so I wanted to get that out there before I get into the articles I want to talk about. Hard news. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is something that I've talked about many times. The modern doctor always makes fun of me for it because there's only three of us that actually didn't see. But Candyman, uh, an official teaser, potentially there's going to be a trailer release with The Invisible Man, which comes out on Friday. The 42nd trailer that they put out. But not The Invisible Woman, right? The Invisible no, Man. Not, not yet. So. Yeah, the Candyman uh, teaser is 40 seconds. It's basically just a loop of people saying Candyman in the mirror, showing a little bit of who's going to be Candyman, and then you have a voice saying, be my victim. And I was just so nonplussed over that voice. I don't know who it is. I don't know who's going to be playing Candyman, 
but I just miss Tony Todd. Like, that voice would just be my victim. I'm like, okay, who's the kid? And why is he saying Candyman's wife? <laughs> you got to have that Tony Todd be my victim. You know, really, you know, get into that. But Wait, so, so I'm kind of hoping. So the, per- so the person that was supposed to be saying that in the trailer, that was supposed to be Candyman's voice? Yes. I'm wondering. Oh, wow. None of those voices are Candyman's voice. I'm wondering if if this is just something that got hastily put together. I mean, do we even know if this was put out by the studio or was just just something that just trickled out? No, it's official. It's an official teaser. It was officially released. That's why it's only 40 seconds. They want to give you the full trailer. They said potentially with the Invisible Man, but it could be later. It wasn't 40 um, seconds. But, but, it was 20 seconds looped. I mean, you know, it's just... Yeah. 40, 40 seconds looped. Yeah, exactly. It was just scenes over and over again, like the old school TV ads that you find on YouTube of movies where it's just an ad over and over again. Um, so, I mean, I'm waiting for the full trailer, but there was actually a screening that happened not that long ago for Candyman. And what I read on the Internet and also on YouTube and a bunch of other sites that it was all negative. It's just, it's not a good movie because they basically and, they, and I wasn't really that because apparently in Cabrini green, there are a bunch of guys that are taking up the moniker of Candyman and killing people. And they call their group, the hive. And I was like, Oh, don't do it. Don't, oh, please don't let this be true. Please don't let it be a group of killers. And they're calling themselves the Hive, and they're taking up the Candyman mantle. And you're not even going to have fucking Candyman in the movie. You're just going to have Candyman. Aren't those like DC uh, villains? Isn't there a group called the Hive? DC. <laughs> yes. I think it's yes. run by oh, they all... Oh wait a minute! What? No, that was Adventure Brothers. That was Adventure Brothers, right? No, no I'm not even kidding. No. I think there's a group called the Hive in DC. Oh, and it's run by the Queen Bee. I think you're right, too, because they covered that on the original run of Teen Titans as well, uh, the animated series. I, th- I think you are right about that. <laughs> but I just keep thinking of the, Ad- the Adventure Brothers <laughs> with that shit, too. <laughs> but also, what I found so interesting is that they released a new poster officially for Candyman. And it's like somebody heard me somewhere that this guy likes Candyman. He gets it. We're going to make a poster that really is just what he said. And it's a poster of this book. to say his name. And I was like, holy shit, somebody heard me. Somebody heard me talking to somebody. I said, that guy knows what he's talking about. With this poster, simple, and say, dare to say his name, Candyman. I was like, I did it, guys. I did it. Somebody heard me. <laughs> You're our hero. That was Greg. <laughs> I don't know who you are out there in our horror family, but thanks for listening to Talking Terror and taking the king's advice on what to do with Candyman. Feel free to contact us so we can get more shit going. <laughs> oh, man, it'd be great if Nia DeCosta was listening to Talking Terror. She's like, you know what? That white boy's got a lot of good knowledge about Candyman. I'm going to make that poster come true for him. That's what make a wish to him. <laughs> I'm not dying. Yeah, honky. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my make a wish. It is now. Enjoy it, honky. <laughs> Damn. So that's cool. Is Tony Todd be in it? No, he wasn't called. Damn. Breaking my heart, Jordan. Just needs to cut it. So we'll see All right. when the official. Show. 
Um, but okay. the other thing I wanted to talk about is Robert England. Uh, he's got his new show, True Terror, coming on the Travel Channel. He uh, was doing some interviews with Entertainment Weekly and Sci-Fi Wire. And he had said in one interview with Sci-Fi Wire that while he thinks he's done playing Freddy Krueger forever, he would like to do an animated movie, but in a dark vein, like a graphic novel, <laughs> high-budget, dark movie, like Killing Joke, where he would voice Freddy Krueger, which I'm okay with. But then he also said, you know what? I wouldn't mind a Freddy prequel, and if we're talking about it, let's remake Dream Warriors. So I was like, whoa, Robert, shut your mouth. I love you. You're Freddy. You're great. <laughs> Remake Dream Warriors? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? That movie still holds up. Why do you want to touch gold? <laughs> yeah, he he wants to touch wanna... the like the, the the best one out of there, out of all of them. But Ghoul, what do you think of the idea of it? Just because you're always watching the animated films, what do you think of possibly an animated Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Listen, man, you know, let's just let it die, okay? If you're not gonna <laughs> Put the money. I mean, like they did. They tried. They tried a reboot. Okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay quiet tonight, man. But you know what, man? You guys are just pulling me back in. Um, you know, they tried this reboot. Okay, with its micro naps and its fucking. I'm the real burnt up looking version of Freddy Krueger, and I'm a kid toucher, and I'm all this other shit. And you know what? It didn't work. Fans didn't like it. There's no way to put out a new Nightmare on Elm Street that is going to be well-received. Just move on. Close the franchise down. End the story. Let it live on forever in its great episodes, you know, in the, in the great films that were out, and let it live on forever in the terrible ones that were out. Yes, Freddy's dead. I'm looking at you and Dream Child, you disappointing motherfucker. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a bad one. It's a, you know, and it's done. You know, like Friday the 13th, there's still shit that can be expanded upon with that. Jason is a quiet, silent killer. The problem with Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger is that he is iconic based on the person portraying him. And it's just, yeah. it's never going to work. You're never going to take somebody and put him in all of that kind of doo-wop and makeup and all that shit and say, yes, this is going to be the serious version of Freddy Krueger. He's going to fuck you up and scare the shit out of you. Because it just doesn't feel right for the character. That's just not who he is. Uh, 30 years from now, maybe people will fucking see it differently. But right now, we're still within generations that have seen those original films. We know Robert England is fucking Freddy Krueger. Just have at it and just be done with it. And no fucking acting. Listen, Robert, I know you want I know you want money, okay? You're like, hey, listen, I can fucking do an animated series. I can sew in for a few hours, record a couple of lines, and I'm good. You know? No, man. No. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with the ghoul. It's like, again, you know, let the franchises die. Let them go, go off where they are, you know. And it's, it's like the ghoul brought up, you know, a very good point of the, it, it specifically – Robert England, he is Freddy Krueger, and Freddy Krueger is him, you know, and you can't have one without the other. It just doesn't work, you know, and it's just, and at the same time, even if they went the, the route of an animated film, it's like I would be expecting such high-quality animation, you know, for them to be pulling off a project like this where, you know, it would have to be full of really good detail, you know, really good character design. Flight of the Osiris. Awesome. Yeah, it's just, 
you know, great gore in it. And it's just, anytime someone says, you know, they're going to go animated, no one is willing to take the, the steps, you know, and the time and the money, you know, to actually beautifully animate a film. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, go it's... that far. I mean, there's a lot of beautifully animated <laughs> films, man. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, I'm I mean, just it's... yeah. I'm just saying, like, right now, okay, the stuff that's coming out, if someone picked up a Nightmare on Elm Street project, they wouldn't give it the time that Disney gives to their projects, okay? Or like Don Bluth gave to his projects is what I'm saying, is they wouldn't give it that kind of time and that kind of detail in it. It's they, the, they would be doing it's the money involved. Oh, it's not just time. That's that, that's yeah. financial. That's what that is. That's you know what, what I'm mean? saying. New Line Cinema would have to be willing to – the, the problem is there's no proof of an audience there for it. I have an idea where, you know what, it kind of marries the best of both worlds. Why not make a Resident Evil-esque video game series that, you know, if Robert can get back into the studio, record a couple of lines, it gives us a new avenue with more detail without it going into cartoon territory. Because, you know, I mean, just Freddy isn't for cartoons, man. Yeah. I mean, didn't they do that, though, with, um, what's the series I'm trying to think of? Dead by Daylight? Didn't they do, like, DLC and, like, uh, video games for Freddy and Leatherface and Jason and Michael? Um, I want to say that they did. You know, a little I think, though, that works, like, kind of like a, uh, I never play that, but I'm pretty sure that's almost like an open-world zombie game. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's, it's, more, it's more survival escape where you're in a scenario and you're trying to get away from the killers is what it is. You know, they're chasing mm-hmm. you through an environment and you're trying to escape. And then you have the option of now doing the DLCs and downloading these characters as your baddies and stuff like that is what that is. And then when you get to a certain level, I think then you're able to become the killer, I believe is how it works. And then okay. I mean, we see the success people. of this with the Friday the 13th game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately, got waylaid because of the lawsuit. You know that game. That game, after mm-hmm. all of those struggles, after everything that they went through to finally get that fucking thing released, gets you know <laughs> indefinitely put on hold because of that fucking shit. Yeah, but yeah, and, and the potential is for a Freddy game. I agree with the ghoul. Like there is a way to do that where it would be so fucking killer to play a Freddy Krueger game where you're in the dream world. And with the graphics that they have nowadays, it would be so fucking stellar if somebody could make that happen. Especially if they went you know, VR with it. That would be cool as shit. <laughs> I would love that. My, my, my VR has got such a layer of dust on it, it's not even funny. Oh, the cool the more dust on it than the king's dick, man. <laughs> I know. Oh. Dude, that is uh, drenched in dust. It's like an antique in an old fucking store. Nobody wants it. It's just half off. That's a bigger shit. They're like, no, no, not that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not for me. Pack it up. Damn it. <laughs> Come on. It's got a It's a grower. It's a shower. Yeah, that's a I'm t- it's, like, it's like those neglected Garfield mugs from the 80s that you always see in thrift stores. Nobody wants this motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, I know nobody likes Mondays. It's got a little chip in it. But, hey, listen, this could be good. You can take it home. 
But yeah, and speaking of thrift stores, there's actually one near me downtown called Hidden Treasures that's going out of uh, going out of business. They're closing up at many. And there's this guy, I've fucking met him, but he creates this awesome fucking horror section where he's got all these framed photos of the dead and the shine and all these different figures. And I actually picked up a couple figures this weekend. Two figures for less than $15 a piece. So I have a Freddy from uh, Part 2, and I got a Michael from 2018. And they were both coming out. And the woman in the house is like, oh, this is like horror too, huh? She's like, that guy, he's always in here bringing in stuff. He's got that are actually screaming. I'm like, oh, shit. Did you come in? <laughs> I was like, I'll probably pick up some stuff. But it's, it's really cool to see that there are people out there that have horror stuff and just selling it. He's got a couple of good mugs. Uh, one of them is from The Exorcist. And I was thinking about picking up. Or, nah, I don't want to pay some more for an Exorcist mug. Just like my dick, it's going to sit there until they close up. <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, terrible, Ryan sorry. Murphy. <laughs> Ryan Murphy uh, was on Instagram earlier today uh, announcing some cast members for the upcoming season 10 of American Horror Story. The three that he announced are Macaulay Culkin, Evan Peters, and Sarah Paul. Oh, Evan Peters is coming back. Yep, Evan Peters is coming back. Well, it's probably so how excited to do that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, a, uh, wasn't a success, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess Marvel doesn't now, want him back. <laughs> now, is this supposed to be our um, science fiction season, possibly? Supposedly, yeah. It's going to be the, the science fiction uh, alien, possibly, season. So, I'd love to see how Macaulay Culkin plays a part of it. Oh, well, that's why they got him coming in. It's for all the butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, where, where, you know when he's popping pills, go, you know, go, go, um, going to night, late night clubs and stuff like that, like he did in the other movie. <laughs> Party Monster, man. That fucking movie's awesome, yeah. dude. That movie's got so many fucking quotable lines. It's not, oh, God. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a crackle. It's, it's like a rattle. <laughs> it's like, seriously, man, that movie disturbed me on such a different level. It really did. Mm-hmm. It's a good one, though. I enjoy it. I've always been a fan of Party Monster. So, you know, Michael Allen's story is fucking crazy on his own, and then to see Macaulay Culkin in it is great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, he's, I'm sure he's going to announce the theme, you know, what it's going to be for season 10. The other thing I want to talk about is Robert Eggers, director of the recent Lighthouse, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, he's going to be making his new film, The Northman which is going to be a dark and unusually violent film set in the 10th century in Iceland, and it's going to be a Viking revenge story. So already I'm in. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what it is about this guy, but he fucking knows how to make movies and to make a Viking revenge movie set in Iceland in the fucking 10th barbaric century. I'm in. And the entire soundtrack's going to be Zeppelin. You <laughs> <laughs> know <laughs> The reason I brought that up is because you think that there's going to be an audience for it. I mean, this is 10th century. You know, this is Vikings. This is Iceland. You know, something else. Well, this is huge right now. There's an entire series on air right now, Vikings. You know what I mean? You're talking about Mm -hmm. 
Nordic mythology has become very popular in the last few years, so it's kind of made a bit of a comeback. Yeah, and the series that the ghoul's talking about, I want to say I think they're like on their fourth season now, and it's still got a really strong audience behind it. You know, and that particular series is definitely pulling people in. It's definitely, you know, showing you some weird-ass history behind the Vikings. Well, you know, a lot of theatrical embellishments, but still, you know. But either way, man, it's fucking Vikings. It's like, you know, again, you give this project project the money and the right money, and this could be a really cool project where you, you just sit down and lose yourself in it. And Robert Eggers is the guy to do that because, you know what, he has proven time and again this ability to make these weird, curious-esque films that are an experience. You're not just watching a yeah. movie. You're not just watching a performance. You're experiencing something that, you know, the the only thing that I feel is it's like, you know, at what point I'm waiting for – the hammer to drop, you know, like the lighthouse was a no, weird. No, no pun intended. It was, it was completely bizarre. Yeah, the witch was was also odd, but at least the witch, I kind of got where they were going with it. The lighthouse was just an exercise in like psychological torture for both the characters that you were watching on screen and almost you yourself as an audience member watching it because of the assault on of sound and some of the visual shit you were right. seeing. You know, I, I have it now. I, I put it on the other night. It's still a completely bizarre fucking movie. It's still weird to watch, you know. I'm glad I saw it in theaters because at least I could say I saw this weird fucking movie in the movie theaters and that I saw in the theater. Um... I'll go see this as well, you know, because again, at least every time I, I've taken a journey with this guy, it's it's been a weird, entertaining fucking ride. I have now, never been disappointed. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it because just like the ghoul just said, and I was resounding his comment, you know, I watched The Witch when it came out in theaters, I bought the Blu-ray, and I fell in love with it. I was like, this is perfect, this is new, this is something that hasn't really been done in a while, a period piece where they're actually talking in the language of the time. And then I saw The Lighthouse, and I'm just fucking coming everywhere because I'm like, this is the fucking greatest goddamn movie I've ever seen. Like, holy shit, it's so visually crazy. You know, it's Willem Dafoe with Robert Pattinson. What the fuck am I watching? But I can't stop looking away. Um, so when I heard about The Northman, I was like, okay, I'm in. Because I fucking love Vikings and Viking lore and the history. And I, I know it's going to be bloody. I know it's going to be violent. So that's why I'm looking forward to it. Cool. It's just Now, um, King, did you see Lighthouse in theaters as well? So um, if you guys can elaborate, what, what are you talking about this whole um, – just because I didn't hear anything in reviews about this. What are you talking about the assault on the senses with the sounds and the visuals, if you guys can go into that for a couple minutes? Well, I mean, I my two cents is just the, the soundtrack that he used – the different sounds, it was tones, it was the way that it was filmed in the black and white, you know, making it perfectly framed, um, to even just the visuals of just striking images that appeared. And I don't want to give anything away because it's spoiler-centric. You can listen to our episode on it, the cinema of The Lighthouse, but it's just the visuals that he used were just so fucking bizarre, but yet they just worked. Like, it was almost like a LSD kind of experience in black and white. Uh, so, you know, cool if you want to elaborate a little further. Yeah, no, surreal is the, the easiest way to explain it. I mean, when I say, like, the, uh, 
the, the oral, and I mean that by your ear, your hearing. You know, the, the again, yeah. this all takes place at a lighthouse. You know, so the first thing that you get when you're in that theater, and again with that full surround sound, giant speakers everywhere. Yeah. You know, you get this, this, this. Mm-hmm. It's not your typical like opening for a film. It's almost uncomfortable the way the noise is hitting you, and then it just makes you understand all the more what the, these guys' mindset is like because that's all they're fucking hearing all the time is the sound okay. of the goddamn lighthouse and the seagulls and just the stuff that they were seeing. Oh, like yep. you said, the way it was filmed and it's 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 one of those weird movies. <laughs> like I sit there and like people ask me when I talk about it, they're like, Oh, so I guess you didn't like it and I'm like, Well the weird thing is is I kinda did but I can see where, how I explain it, that it totally sounds like I didn't. But I did it. It's an enjoyable <laughs> film if you like to be salted. You know, yeah. for lack of a better it's word. A, it's, a, it's a sensory movie. You know, it's like the story is a little lacking, and I've seen a lot of people say that about The Lighthouse. The story is not as strong as they wanted it to be, but it's really it's a sensory depth movie. You know, that soundtrack, that fucking horn that you hear throughout the entire fucking movie. You know, it's just, it permeates. And it's just, it's not a soundtrack-heavy movie. You know, it, it keeps to the natural tones of the environment that these two are in. And I think that's really what sells it, mm-hmm. is that there's not a lot of fucking music in this movie. It's just basically tones that are happening around them naturally that just kind of affects you. So, so, so piece of advice that you're saying, when you watch this at home, Make sure you have good sounds, and yep. make sure you're listening it through good speakers or really good headphones. If you, you want to. the full effect, yes. You know, yep. again, I just watch this. I don't have any speakers in my house. I watch it in my bedroom. <clears throat> I actually put it on to like go to sleep the other night. It's not a movie that you can do that to. There's too many weird fucking noises. You know, I ended up switching it up and going to like one of my, my old standbys. I just, you know what, after hearing it and flipping over, looking at this, laying over again, looking again, it just it got to the point where I saw the fucking mermaid and I'm like, okay, you know what, that's it. I'm either going to end up watching the rest of this movie or I can put something else on and actually go to sleep, which is what I chose to do. Um, so, yes, but I, oh, I, know, I definitely recommend seeing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. not Ariel. Uh, no, no, that mermaid fucked me up bad. That was such a great scene, and Pattinson sold it so well. And the fact when he screams and they cut it out with that fucking foghorn, I was like, God damn, uh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> like, it was so well cut. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a movie that you want to have. You know, we use halfway decent speakers for, or leave your headphones on and watch it because you want to get the full effect. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it made me a fan of uh, Robert Pattinson, that movie. I was like, you know, maybe it's not so bad. You know, he's not the vampire kid anymore. You know, he's doing something different. I mean, just for the fucking scene of him talking to Willem Dafoe about the way he makes lobsters. <laughs> but she liked it, didn't you? I saw you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I like to cook it. So, for those of you that do not have a Shutter description, uh, uh, subscription rather, uh, and wanted to check out uh, Creepshow, the Greg Nicotero anthology, season one that just uh, premiered not that long ago, AMC is picking it up. 
to air on their network just before season two drops on Shudder. So if you didn't get a chance to watch it, AMC is giving you the chance now. Uh, probably in October, they're going to be releasing season one on their network. So you can check it out. Cool. And I think that's cool that AMC is picking it up, man. Um, and giving people who don't have the description a chance to see it. It's like, I, I, I think this is like a really weird like turn here as far as television history here where now we're seeing networks that are established on cable picking up stuff off of streaming services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool for people that couldn't watch it and might have wanted to check it out. You know, it's a chance now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying though. It's, you know, I'm finding it weird and entertaining now that you know the, the, the people that were competing with one another now <laughs> cable is getting their their stuff yeah. from streaming services as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, moving on to a movie that I don't really feel needs to be back on the big screen because I'm not really a big fan of the, the movie in general. Uh, but Little Shop of Horrors is getting a reboot. And they've been talking about casting and who's going to be playing who. I know Scarlett Johansson is in talks to play Audrey. Billy Porter is in talks to voice Audrey too. But it also came out that Chris Evans, Captain America himself, is in talks to play the evil dentist that was made famous by Steve Martin in that 1986 Little Shop of Horrors with Rick Moranis. So, okay, well, you know, they're going big, trying to get Chris Evans. I think it's an interesting choice, but I'd like to see what they can do. But I'm not a huge fan of Little Shop of Horror, so, you know, it could pass me by. And I was never even noticed. Okay. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. How can you not be a fan of Little Shop of Horror? I just think it's just, dumb. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, that's it, too. Huh? <laughs> it's a musical. It's a, I'm a big fan of musicals. Yeah, but it's a fun musical that's about fucked up horror, you know, and... Uh, I enjoy it. Okay, I enjoyed this version. I don't. I don't like the original version, which was not a musical and really, really dry. I was not a fan of I that. I didn't one. mind that one. <laughs> the Corman version with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind that one. Um, I I just really, really enjoy the '80s version. You know, <clears throat> that's got Gina from Martin in it as well. But um. <laughs> I am also well, that was, like that was my second experience with that that uh, actress because I think well you know what no that might have been the first time I'd ever seen her as well. Um, shortly thereafter, Trisha Campbell. The, uh, Trisha Campbell. She was in a TV series. Um, basically, Martin? it was like kind of like a play on no no it was a play <laughs> on Annie. Um, what was it called? Uh, give me a minute. I'll be able to, to figure it out again. But I'm liking the idea, though, of Chris Evans playing the role of the dentist just because we've had to deal with him being so dry for so long because um, it was went around going doing that. Before Rick, he started doing the role of Captain Evans. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember that one. <laughs> but um, before before he was Captain America, I think he was in a movie called I think called The Losers, and yeah, he was, was just movie. I like that one. yeah, and he was just funny as shit in that movie. And then you know he went on to go do the Human Torch, you know, again carrying 
along the same kind of personality. But then he went to go do the big blue Boy Scout, and he's just, you know, every role he's just so driving the the big blue Boy Scout. It's like you know he has to specifically be Captain America, and Captain America has to be a certain thing, and he nails it. Don't get me wrong, but. I think this is a great opportunity for him and for us to actually just enjoy watching Chris Evans be silly for a change. Well, he did okay. another team movie. He was funny in that movie. Yeah, and he was funny as the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four films. I mean, that was That's part was of his, that character. You but, know, I mean, Chris Evans has got comedy chops. There was also, uh, what was it called? Uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's done a number of those. Now, me, I, I love the Little Shop of Horrors. That actually, for me, was what I took my friends to go see for my ninth birthday party in 1986. Um, you know, like, uh, my birthday's in December. So there's only so many choices for what we could do. My parents, you know, were always very cheap about shit. So basically, you know, being that I always loved movies... It was like, all right, look, Keith, we can either go bowling or we can go to the movies. We're not doing both. So for that year, with that movie coming out, that's what I chose. So that is what we ended up going to do. It was like me, my cousins, a couple of friends. And, uh, and yeah, so we've packed those theaters, you know, late December of 86. And, and so Little Shop of Horrors. And I loved it. It was completely bizarre. It was completely weird. I had no idea it was a musical. You know, all I saw was the fucking weird plant on the TV commercials. Like, I knew nothing of the story at all, like, going in. Uh, I was a nine-year-old. Right. You know? uh, or I was turning nine. And, yeah, I just I completely fell in love with it, you know. And I still, we watched it uh, a year, two years ago, and it's still fun to watch. You know, Steve Martin is great. You know, totally didn't understand anything that, that was going on with that character back when I was a kid. You know, seeing that now. It's like, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah, yeah I would say it just gone with the original ending. I would have loved it if they'd gone <laughs> with the original ending for what it up ours, where Audrey 2 eats Seymour and then all the Audrey's take over the world. I was like, that would have been fucking so cool. But instead they went with the good guy ending, and I was like, ah, that's fine too. I just, I don't like musicals. I just, I don't, you know, stay away from my horror. <laughs> just, you know, no, stay I in your way, musicals. Who are they talking about doing the uh, the role of Seymour for the new one? Uh, the guy that was in uh, The Kingsman. Aaron Edgerton. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, and he just mm-hmm. and he just came off of playing uh, Elton John in the uh, yes, in the, the, the Elton John. Ah, <laughs> of man. Like I don't know Seymour. Like and again, from what I saw him as, I see him as Rick Moranis. So that's always that clumsy, dirty mm-hmm. geek. Yeah. And Aaron Edgerton's. You know, he's not a bad looking fellow. <laughs> He's a fucking Kingsman. You know, for Christ's yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah. I think he could pull it off, though. I think, I mean, I think, you know, he can go into it and then play kind of nerdy, you know, kind of offset. I mean, Scarlett Johansson as Audrey, I'm like, eh, all right. I was like, it's, it's fine, you know, it's but I guess for that character, you can, yeah. I mean, I was just annoyed by who was in the 1986 version. I don't know who played her, but I was always annoyed whenever that movie came out and she came on screen. I was like, I hate the voice. I'm not interested. <laughs> Oh, why, Yippie? Did you have a problem with it? <laughs> oh, God. It was like a flashback to seeing that movie when I was a kid and going, oh, stupid. Like, Is it over yet? It's the only thing on this, a Saturday. This, 
This this movie sucks. It's not Ghostbusters two. <laughs> Goddamn right, it's not Ghostbusters two. That fucking movie owns still, on our own. Bobby Brown. Was, wasn't that still like three years <laughs> away? Two years away? Yeah, Ghostbusters two came out in eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but I didn't see. I didn't see what's up with horror. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, um, the last uh, thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the movie tonight is uh, I was actually just listening to, you know, one of my favorite podcasts. I know the ghoul agrees. Uh, we hate movies. They just did an episode on Orphan, the William Brent Bell film that it's just, it's just over the top cheese, but it's good. Um, with Vera Farmiga in it and, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, they adopt a girl who turns out to be a 32 year old. It's, it's Don't spoil but the fucking I, movie. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, okay, well, no, no, you don't know. But yeah, it's you spoiled. Just spoiled it, didn't you? <laughs> no, you, you, you'll be fine. Because when no, you no, see no, the no, review, no, you're gonna no, be like, hearing, okay, hearing, hearing nothing, hearing anyway, nothing, moving on. Oh wait, but anyway, this is the one where the where the little girl is actually a fucking grown woman. Yes. Yep. Okay, you know what? I've seen the end of this movie already. Okay, you know what? The I'm sure you have. I was watching it at some point or another a bunch of months ago, and I remember, like, sitting down, watching some of the movie, and at some point or another just being like, well, the fucking kid's possessed or some shit. And I, I remember her telling me <laughs> at the end that it was like, uh, it was like yeah, it was a growth deficit, like some kind of growth thing or some shit. Yeah, which she was actually like in her 30s and everything like that. But what was interesting is that William Brent Bell's Orphan is actually going to be getting a prequel movie called Esther, which is going to be starring that growth-deficient girl. And I was like, is there really an audience for that movie, though? Because I don't remember it doing that well when it came out. I saw it in the theater, and then I was like, yeah, it's good. But I can't imagine anybody's like, I can't wait to fucking see a prequel. When's it coming, guys? Prequel, prequel. <laughs> Everybody do a fucking prequel. <laughs> we gotta see where this girl came from. And what's funny though is I also wanted to bring it up because this actually happened in real life not that long ago. Um I was looking up online where this actually happened to a couple, I think in Florida, where they adopted a girl and they had thought that she was I think maybe ten or eleven and it turns out that she was actually in her mid twenties and she had what? a growth deficiency and she was scamming them. So they ended up renting an apartment for her. And it's just a, such a fucking bizarre story, but you can actually look it up online, but it's similar to Orphan. And I was like, wow, these fucking people, they got conned by this girl that they thought was like 10 or 11, and turned out she was in her mid-20s, and then she started scamming him for money. <laughs> wow. Now, like, now yeah. if you're of age, what you can actually do is, if you go to adult time, okay, one of my favorite pay, pay porn sites, they have a scene with Jane Wilde and... Steve Williams, and I believe it's Derek Pierce, well, okay. the male talent in this scene, okay, in which they, they, they think, they're told that Jane Wilde is their long-lost daughter, who, like, disappeared, okay. and it turns out not to be. And let's just say the threesome that occurs shortly thereafter is fucking one for the books, man. It is fantastic. It is a wonderful piece of fucking board if I've ever seen one. I just don't like Derek Pierce. <laughs> I never like Derek I, Pierce. Uh, I don't either. I am not a fan of him as a male talent. No. But you know what? The scene, nope. it doesn't matter. The rest of the scene is just that good. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some of his work with, like, Misty Vonage and Bridget Lee, where I'm like, they're the fucking talent in the scene, and he's just kind of fucking there. 
just to provide the cock. And I was like, I just don't like Terry Pierce. I was like, how is he in porn? <laughs> how is this guy, you know, making movies? I was like, he's just atrocious to look at. He does. He's got a mighty Joe Young dick. And, and he, and he, he really does. So. Yeah, no, it's it's always the movies that I watched him in were always threesomes. I'm always looking at the girls. I'm like, yeah, no, just fucking cover this guy up. <laughs> just want to see the women, you know, going to town. <laughs> you know, just put, that's how just I like my therapies. Just just put a sheet over him. Everything will be okay. <laughs> we don't that's need right. to see him. <laughs> no. Now it's weird, now you know fucking Mr. Clean looking ass. Because like you said, you cover it up. You you know, you're closing your eyes. You're doing this. You're doing that. And there's somebody on Twitter recently, a, uh, him and his wife, they do, they do scenes together and things like that. Uh, that, that yeah, the wife yeah. goes by the name of Bonnie Be Good. Um, no, it's not, not me and the cool girl. So, so it's her and her husband. He posited a great question the other day, you know, or somebody did, and he retweeted it. You know, because guys don't talk about it often enough, right? When you're looking for porn scenes, like you just said, you know, you don't like Derek Pierce. What do you look for in male talent when you're, when you're looking at porn? You know, obviously, as a heterosexual guy, you're looking for the females. But male, the male in the scene is almost as important because it has to be yeah, out, right? True. Or else it's not going to be good. Yeah, well, my problem with does, Derek Pierce like, is that he always looked too old to be doing fucking milk porn. Like, it's like you're not Billy's fucking friend, dude. You're like his dad. Like, it's just, <laughs> you're not, you, you look too old to be a kid. You're not 18, 19 years old. That's what I look for in the milk porn that I like. Is I like, you know, the, the guy's got to look young because he's going to be acting opposite an older woman. I don't want them to look like they're only two years apart. <laughs> it just ruins it. <clears throat> So you're you're Jordy's like a uh, Jordy De La Polo guy. Oh, he's great. His shit's great. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's got. Oh, I love his shit. And the other one too, like he's similar to Jordan uh, La Polo. Um, I can't remember his he name wants him now. To look like, he wants him to look like Zac Efron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe we should be closer. Then there's uh, Xavier or something. I keep not. Yeah, I can't remember his name. I think it's Xavier, but he looks actually age appropriate. You know, for these my my friend top mom movies. I'm like, I appreciate that when they actually look, you know, like they're actually young and not like they're 35 years old trying to plow someone that's 37. <laughs> you know, it True. Takes I, me out I, of I it. I see what you're getting at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know what the ghoul likes. He likes that hentai shit. Yeah, no, never. Monkey. <laughs> what? We know you watch porn, monkey. So what do you look for? I watch hentai. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I believe it. I watch. I, I watch hentai. I watch ichi. I watch harem. Um, I don't really watch that much actual porn. Sorry. Uh, the the only actual porn I watch are cheesy porns like the Star Wars porn, the Avengers porn, uh, that kind of stuff. I, I, so I'm sorry, guys. I don't know any of the names that you guys are talking about. It's like, <laughs> oh, so you like parody? About, I, I like the parody porns. It's like you know when I watch actual porn, you know, like like the pirates porn that came out like ten years ago, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, oh, the one like that made more money than any porn freaking out there, man. That thing was fucking a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the the point where it got so popular that they uh, made just a rated R version um, so that mm-hmm. you could just buy, which sucked, by the way. That rated R version <laughs> fucking sucked. It <laughs> yeah. made no fucking sense at all because it cut out so much story. Like, the, the rated R version was only, like, 45 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you'd like you Wood know, Rocket. I like, yeah. I think you'd love Wood Rocket, like, Monkey. Because all they do is pass. It, it's just, I, I, I like stuff that actually has a story. You know, that, that's the thing is, you know, it's got to have an actual story for me. You know, um... You know, because, like, back in the day, you know, it was uh, Sex Trek 2, The Search for Sperm, uh, Edward Penis Hands, you know, shit like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, funny, though. I mean, they just came out with a Halloween one not that long ago. It was actually really good. I think it came out around the same time Halloween 2018 did. Mm. And I loved it. I was like, it was mm. a great fucking one. They had a Deadpool Triple X that came out around the same time mm. as Deadpool 1. That mm. I loved. I mean, it's, I love Harry because the story is good. But then you get to the fucking like, all right, this is good too. I'm digging this. <laughs> you know, dude, the fucking Batman '66 porn parody has a great scene with Timberlake oh, yeah. in it, man. It is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That, that is one I like. That is on my list to watch. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I want to just because the costumes look so fucking spot on. It looks it's like great. they did a great <laughs> job. Kevin Stone yeah. is phenomenal. Everybody in that is just really good. So, you know, and I, yeah. Kevin mm-hmm. Stone's always <laughs> good, though. That fucking guy comes and fucking delivers every time. <laughs> it's like, never been disappointed by Kevin Stone. It doesn't that's, matter what he's in. That's where I kind of went. That's where I fall on the whole thing. You know what I mean? I look for talent that, uh, I don't know, I guess performs the way I think I do. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm more of a, a James, a James Dean type, a Mr. Pete type, um, you Tommy know, Pistol. those kind of, yeah, I love Tommy Pistol, man, but Tommy, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that comes down to their personalities as well, you know, cause like as a kid growing up, stealing my old man's porn, you know, watching stuff with the hedgehog, Ron Jeremy and, you know, Jamie, I forget, Jamie something, I forget what it says, last name was, uh, Gillis. Like, these guys, like, they mm-hmm. were comical, not in the film, but during the actual scenes. Like, they would say right. things sometimes, like, in the middle of a scene where you'd be like, well, what? You know, you actually have to stop what you're doing because you're laughing all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely appreciate performances like that. And yes, Tommy always delivers that. I mean, there are there are some specific scenes that you know I'll uh, I'm not going to say on the air because we we got to move on to the movie anyway. But uh, yeah, there's some stuff that's just great with him in it, man. Oh, his his performance <laughs> in Evil Head, the Evil Dead fucking porn parody with Joy <laughs> Angel, it's just fucking so rad. <laughs> Wait a minute. They, well, hold, hold on. They, 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 great. they, they did. They did an Evil Dead porn. Yeah, Evil everything has got a parody at this test. point, man. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I gotta look. And at it is so funny up. and so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did a Walking Dead one not that long ago with Tommy Pistol and Joanne Angel, <laughs> where he where Tommy Pistol played Rick Grimes. Oh, <laughs> it's <that's> amazing. <laughs> um. But yes, we do have to enter the House of Death for tonight's fan pick from Rebecca. Uh, so this is going to be presented to you by the monkey. Ah! 
<laughs> so he's going to be talking to you about 1984's <laughs> Bloodbath right, at the House of Death in 1984, <laughs> directed by um, Ray, uh, Ray Cameron. So, Monkey, take it away. What do we got here? All right, yes. All right, this week's film was picked by one of the members of our horror family, our dear friend Rebecca slash Rowena, you know, however you want to go with, you know, we're, we're not giving away any names, but either one works. All right, this is a film that is near and dear to her heart. Hopefully she will still love us as much as we love her after we give this film the fucking care treatment. We'll see. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Bloodbath at the House of Death is a 1980s dark comedy about six scientists who were sent by the British government to study the legendary building, Headstone Manor, a place where eight years prior, 14, or was it 15, or was it 13? It doesn't matter. A lot of people were fucking killed there, right? And the government wants to know why. And possibly why there's a whole bunch of shitload of radiation. All right, and that's the movie. <laughs> well, they um, <laughs> and um, me personally, like the way I feel about this movie is, dude, uh, guys, we've been down this road before when we covered other intentional horror comedies. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these beloved horror comedies are very special to the people who grew up watching these movies as kids, and they watch them over and over and over again, just like us with Airplane and Police Academy and stuff like that. You know, these things became ingrained in their souls. So I feel like, you know, these kind of comedies, if you didn't grow up watching these movies, they may come across as um, <clears throat> a bit much to swallow, you know, on your first time watching. Um, but – and while this movie hasn't aged all that gracefully, um, for all of its camp and silliness, I, I did still have a good time watching this movie. Okay. Go. what do you think about Bloodbath, The House of Death? I mean, listen, you know, I uh, I enjoy a good British serial, um, and I don't mean the kind you eat, I mean the kind you watch. Uh, this, very was, serials. this was, um, I guess I wasn't expecting this to be Scary Movie before Scary Movie ever was a thing. Um you know, this fits right up there with, like, the Mel Brooks films and, and stuff like that, except it's just British. That being said, I mean, yeah, the, a lot of the comedy did not gel fantastically with me. I am not a British citizen, so some of the stuff that they're going to find humorous, I did not. Um, or maybe I just don't get because I'm not, you know, a local from that, that area. I think if I would have seen this as a kid, I would have loved this movie, though. Um, so that's kind of the, the goggles I tried to watch it with. You know, I tried to watch this with the, like, the glasses on as if I was still a child watching this film. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of where I went with it. Mm. King, what do you so, think? about you, yeah. King? Yeah, you know, answer. I remember... I remember renting this movie when I was younger. I rented this when I was in my teens because I had seen it at the local video store, (laughs) you know, video home rentals, loved it. And because the only reason I rented it was because I saw the cover art and it had Vincent Price in a red robe and he was holding his hand out and the title of the movie was dripping red blood into his hands. And I was like, this is probably going to be good, right? Like it's, you know, seems kind of creepy, seems kind of weird. And then I watched it and I was like, well, this is just fucking, you know, airplane. 
Like, this is just the UK's version of Airplane. <laughs> it's the UK's answer to student bodies, which came out in 1981. It's like they're taking every horror movie that they could possibly think of and going, let's parody it, boys. Yeah, like, you know, and making a good time of it. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. Um, I think they just put too much parody into this movie. Like, it was just too much at one time. You know, it's like we're going to parody Alien. We're going to parody Jaws. We're going to parody uh, Legend of Hill House. Um, we're going to parody Amityville Horror. And we're going to do all these movies at once. And it, it just feels kind of disjointed in a lot of ways. When you watch the movie from beginning to end, it's just like there's these scenes that are just kind of slapped together. And you just have to get it and move on and hope that the comedy gets you. And there were some things that I, I laughed at. Like Vincent Price, he's only in five scenes in this entire fucking movie. Like they they did so much. Oh, oh God, yeah. yes. He's just when you first get introduced to him. Yeah, just but he's having a good time. It's not like one of these actors that's like, yes, mm-hmm. I know who I am. I'm an icon, but I'm <clears> going to be in this movie because of the paycheck. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was having a good time. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was just enjoying yeah. being in this movie. Yeah, dude, I gotta say, man, it's like if. Um, it's like this is, was like one of my favorite performances by Vincent Price. It would just because it's like it was Vincent Price being Vincent Price, but at the same time, almost with um, an era like bring bringing an era of you know who the fuck I am. Why the fuck am I doing this stupid shit? You know exactly. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a bit of a diva personality. I'm sorry, King. Go ahead. It was what you were saying. But I, mean, I agree completely. Um, but it's like when you open up the movie and you're in 1974 and you're in this house of death and there's these people in cloaks running around the house and they're butchering everybody. I actually liked it from a horror standpoint because it is kind of creepy to think that these people are just being eliminated one by one and some of them are silly. But at the same time, I thought it was a great setup for a horror film. And then they get into the modern time of 1983 with Larry Everett. So for those of you at home who don't know who Larry Everett was, he was like the pioneer of pirate radio back in the 60s in, in the UK. And he had a successful uh, show in the 80s. He was known for his impersonations. He was known for his phony phone calls. So what you get from the character of Larry Everett in this movie is just basically what he was doing on the radio. Just way over the top, but kind of funny at times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but if we can, it's like, I just want to go back to the beginning. Uh, it's just, like yeah. you said, we have this really, really culty opening going on, you know, again, right. um, you know, because like the ghoul and I both, I'm sure, you know, this was our first time viewing it. So, you know, we had no idea, you know, but we, uh, what we were in store for, like, I seriously had no idea that this was a comedy in any way, shape or form. Um, so, really? okay, uh, you know, okay, okay. and, yeah, I it, seriously, I went to this completely blind. I had no idea, you know. So we, you know, have our opening, and I'm sitting there going, "All right, okay, you know, we're going, you know, I'm thinking our dear friend of the show, Rowena, you know, has got us, you know, going down the path of Grindhouse." I'm like, "Sweet, all right, well, this is where we're going. Cool, you know." And so I'm like, "All right, strap in. We're gonna watch some cool culty shit. Let's go." And they, you know, and they go into the house, and then they start, you know, <clears throat> um. Everyone's, you know, just sneaking in, and everyone's got their combat boots on, and w- except one person who's got their, you know, sandals on and nails painted. And I'm like, what? 
you know, and, <laughs> then, we, <laughs> and then we have people go, you know, going around the house looking for victims, you know, going into the bathroom, you know, with, with an axe and then coming out with a hatchet, you know, after they flush the toilet or shit like that, even though they're supposed to be sneaky and, and just going around and just committing death, you know, mur- murder all over the fucking place. You know, and then for some reason the whole house has this crappy, crappy glow after it's all done and stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, so this is where we're going, you know, because, you know, four people, was it four? Maybe it was four people were killed in the bed at one time by a single spear, you know. So at this point, you know, I'm already laughing my ass off. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be funny or just, you know, anything just yet. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm still writing this out to see where yeah. it goes. <laughs> I think the humor is definitely there because especially the next day when the police are there and they're investigating the scene and they're bagging up heads and they're making chalk outlines of the guy laying outside the window and the one detective's <laughs> got the blood dripping on his head and then he looks up and he sees a decapitated head, you know, on the roof. And I'm like, okay, so they're going for a little bit of comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminded me, like I said, again, 1981 student bodies where it's like they're going for comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not taking it too, too seriously yeah. at this point. Um, you know, and then you get introduced to Dr. Lucas uh, Manville and then Dr. Barbara Coyle, who are going to investigate this house, like uh, the monkey had said, for radioactive readings. But they're also joined by multiple other scientists that are all kind of stereotypes of their own. I love the gay couple. <laughs> when you first introduce them, and you have Stephen, the, the, the black guy laying his head on the guy's shoulder as they're driving into town, <laughs> you know, for no reason. Like, you know, it just it cracked me up because it was subtle, but it was fun. Well, no, it that's the that thing, though. Subtle, though. You know, because it wasn't subtle at all. He was going on about how, you know, people would misjudge him because of the things that he likes, <laughs> the things that he does, this and that. And then it turns out that that was all correct anyway, you know, so it's just one of those where, like, that was one of the jokes that I felt still held up to, like, today's standard, you know, Mm -hmm. where people still want to, like, complain about stereotypes, but still fall into that stereotype while complaining about it, Um, you know, so, yeah, those are the little things that I really enjoyed. Again, like, you know, this is one of those where if if I had never seen horror comedy before or, like, you know, horror parody... I would have been mm-hmm. dying through a lot of these, but the problem is, is you know, now we're in the year, you know, 2020, and we've seen this in so many different variations. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's it's like I said, yeah, I mean, there was a couple of things that I laughed at in this movie, not entirely because it is British humor, which can be a little dry at times. Um, but once uh, you have Manville and Coyle getting into town, and they go to the little pub. And they're like, oh, we're just looking to find our way to the house of death. And they're like, what? Oh, my God. And then they start doing calculations about how many fucking people died. And they're like, well, no, it was 18 because it was the one guy with the pike and the other guy with the spear. The other guy got his head cut off. And then they're fucking doing the 12 days of Christmas, fucking drunk off their asses. Singing how everybody died, and I was like, just, "Okay, I'm laughing." And apparently, one And I love that you, you know, can get Bloody Marys on tap at this pub. And they're also obviously <laughs> trying to channel the whole, you know, American Werewolf in London vibe. Oh yes, yep, I got it, yep. Especially with the whole symbol. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's got the symbol. I love the fact that the one guy's got the glasses on that has the symbols on it. And then you look at the dog, and the dog has the symbol on its head, and it just rolls over. <laughs> yes. 
and they also have to have that strange sound effect playing every single time you see the symbol, like the old NES fucking sound effect every time they show the symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have yeah, the, the other I, scientist, you know, uh, that's the American couple, which is like the British making fun of the Americans because they're so stereotypical. And, yeah, we're going into this. We're going to look into it. Oh, it's just a weird ball that out my arm. I don't know what it's all about, but it's crazy, right? Well, well, he's American. She's British. He's American. Yeah. Was she British? I couldn't pick up yeah. her accent. Yeah. I was like, what is she doing? It sounds British, but it also sounds Italian. Mm. <laughs> it's just, I didn't get what accent she was going for. She, yeah. It was, li- yeah, like Headstone Manor, she too had done 15 at one time, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But, yeah, you know, he was definitely, you know, them making fun of Americans, you know, going around, you know, but for some reason has a huge fucking birthmark. But, you know, at the same time, he can only remember but so much because he has this weird case of amnesia. So he, so he doesn't really know if he's capable of doing bad things. Maybe he has done them. He doesn't know. Where are they going again? Oh. <laughs> and that whole scene of him in the bathroom, too, when he picks up his hair. <laughs> it's like, and he's lifting it up because you know it's a wig. Like I, again, I laugh at that because it was just so weird. But the the other two scientists you have are uh, Sheila and John, and Sheila's fucking story cracked me up. Like again, it got to me because it was a Carrie ripoff in the middle of this fucking movie. Mm. Where it's, you have a mother dressed up in a confessional outfit for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the whole yeah, yeah, she was. A, yeah, she was a conf- she it wasn't a confessional outfit. She was a she was a confessional booth. <laughs> like she was <laughs> yeah. the entire fucking booth. I really enjoyed this part though. <laughs> Just because that flashback is so and, good. But we get the flashback. Why do we get the flashback? Is because she's the uptight one. She's the quiet one. All right. She's the one that right. shows up very, very quiet, very, very strict, you know, very, very scientific. But as she's unloading her bag, she's unloading whips. She's unloading leather boots. She's unloading mm-hmm. huge, huge ass dildos. And why is she doing this? <laughs> because. We get a flashback to her Catholic mother who, you know, goes and, you know, beat, would beat the shit out of her because she finally, finally found a boy, you know, that liked her, you know, and, you know, just gave her a kiss, you know, just to, you know, be like, hey, I like you, you know, maybe we can be boyfriend and girlfriend. But no, <laughs> mommy thinks that this makes Jesus angry. So she starts beating her with a whip. And you see this moment where, you know, Pain turns to eroticism during this entire time, and then she starts, you know, just kind of asking for it more and more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it leads to a great effect in this movie, to be honest, is when she gets her head caught in the can opener and just starts going around and around and around until the fucking head pops off. And I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a good goal effect in this movie. Like, it was fun. <laughs> you know what's you know what's oh, yeah. funny is I I thought that the character that at first and I realized that after a little while that it definitely wasn't the same person but because of the outfit oh, yeah. and because of her hair and her look the girl that played Deborah um the one that was with the American guy I thought she was yeah. Faith Prince the girl that played really? um what's her name uh fucking the, the pop singer in the Last Dragon. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. That girl, they no, look yeah, so similar. That, that, 
I was waiting for you her to like, start you, speaking you, like that. You talking about vanity? No, 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 no. Really, monkey, really. <laughs> well, you said the you said the pop singer in the Last Dragon. Yes, the girl that he wants. It's like she's like a Cindy Lauper type, but uh, it's the one that he. Oh, oh, wants. oh! You're talking about the one that hung out with the gangsters. Yeah, it wasn't Vanity. <laughs> no, that's Princess shit. <laughs> We're not getting on that. <laughs> but yeah, the other one. But yeah, no, I get that reference. So it was kind of cool. But it was just—it was great to see that scene because it's like, okay, we're getting our parodies now of, of what they like. So we're getting that in there. You know, we got American Warrior from London. Um, we also get The Legend of Hell House, which is a movie from the 70s based on Hell House by Richard Matheson, where they're setting up their equipment in this house to kind of figure out where these radioactivity waves are coming from. And I love the fact that they have a ghost popping up on the radar. <laughs> it was like, okay, this place is obviously haunted. Yeah, it's just a cutout of a ghost on the fucking radar. You know, nothing, you know, nothing really dramatic or anything like that. Nope, just a cutout. <laughs> Tape's on. <laughs> you know, and you have all these couples going into this house to investigate this, but then at the same time, you have the sinister man played by Vincent Price, who's a 700-year-old satanic priest who very much loves Satan. Hail Satan, you got it. You know. <laughs> I just I love it when he's got his people together because he's got the bartender in town who they hung her body upside down in the woods for one of the scientists to find. And then the next thing you see him burning off the face. Like, do you really need to do that? Like, I don't understand. He's like, well, it's not like we're going to use it again anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but then here was a great Dr. Fives reference, okay? Was oh, yeah. It was the, great. That, that whole scene of them melting the face. The face. Cause I was like, oh, they went there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I just love when she's like, well, you know what? You could piss off. And he's like, piss off? Me, piss off. Me, 700-year-old satanic priest has dedicated my life to Satan. Our dark lord master, piss off? You piss off. <laughs> yeah. I just loved but, it. But the, yeah. the slow, deliberate pace. Yep. Speaking this yeah. thing through. As he's just, it's, mm. Again. He is on screen, and like you said, he's in, what, five scenes, man? Five scenes, he yep. is phenomenal. I mean, again, it's, it's Vincent Price, and, you know, it's funny. Like, I'm looking at him, and, and yeah, you know, he's on the older end here, and it's just he's, he's almost playing this, like, fay to a degree, too. Yes. So it's yep. like, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't know where he's really going with this. And I was like, yeah, I, I loved every single <laughs> minute of it. Yeah, yeah because like just, the ghoul he, said, he was, well, also like the ghoul said though, it's like he was delivering his lines also with like just almost this like l- level of stereotypical gayness too, you know, of just you know, because during like you said during that entire scene of you know piss off, he was like, oh, I've been on here seven hundred years. No, you piss off. You know, it's just almost <laughs> you know, almost flaming the the, the way he delivered his yeah. lines. And, you know, so we get introduced to the Sinister Man and the cult that are there to rid the house of unwanted guests. Um, So then you go back and then you find out from Manville that he was once a successful German surgeon named Wilgood Mannheim. And this is another scene where I was cracking up because he's so serious about his being a great surgeon. And when he walks into the operating room and he's just bowing everybody and then the patient gets up and bows to him too. (laughs) You know, no sedative. And then he just starts digging in, and he drops his fucking monocle under the body, and he's just dragging out these huge chunks of bloody fucking just, you know, mess. <laughs> and he's laughing yeah. at him, and he starts throwing it at him. 
Yeah, just throwing hamburger all over the fucking set. <laughs> yeah, even the patient gets up and starts laughing at him, and he throws hunks of meat at his face. <laughs> they never took me seriously. I was the best. I was the best. I was the best. You weren't the best. Where am I? <laughs> naked in bed. In the bed. In the bed. <laughs> naked, naked with me. <laughs> you weren't the best. And he just pulls the covers up like, damn it. Like, I just but, had this flashback, but, but I also had stack rolling at but then we also, like, on top of this, we also have the whole thing about not only is he German, he has this huge fucking metal leg as well. So we, you know, yes. find out that he has this limp, and he, but he's got, like, this fucking, you know, suit of armor for a fucking leg. You know, fucking Iron he's Man, uh, you know, hip-hopping around. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, he has a nice leg, and that's what creates this huge fucking limp that he has. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Why does he, okay, going with it. No explanation as to why. Just has it. Nope. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. then you have a, no, 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 no reason to go 100% into it. <laughs> no. Because I didn't need it, and I was fine without the explanation. But you also have Coyle, the woman that just had sex with him, and one of the other scenes of which I just dug because it was reminding me of House of Legend of Hell House. There's a poltergeist in this house that is terrorizing her for a second. But then she gets real sexy with it because he rips off that shirt. You know, you see a nice set of tits. And then she's laying on the bed, you know, giving the old British to right, to right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, this is pleasurable. This is so nice. I was like, man, I do not want to hook up with a British girl because she has a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> this is very pleasurable right now. This is really nice. Oh, you know what you're doing. <laughs> right, but it's also picking on British women about how they don't they don't know how to talk dirty. That's the thing, okay, is that was the whole joke <laughs> behind it. You know, is uh, the whole thing of, you know, proper English women don't know how to talk dirty during sex. You know, because, um, <clears throat> you know, they covered the same thing in Monty Python and the Meaning of Life uh, about how English people don't know how to, you know, how to talk to each other during sex. They don't know how to be dirty, you know, and, you know, that's what made that scene fun. Is because you, you know the whole scene starts like you said in an act of violation, um, you know, and and when she was backed up against the wall, I was really hoping we were gonna go, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and you know start flipping the room around and all that. But they mm, okay. Didn't have, but they but they obviously did not have the money for that kind of thing. Um, so instead we go with bucket, put her in the middle of the room, let's rip her clothes off, you know, in different directions. So the monkey can pause that five times. <laughs> um, but, yeah. And I like this scene, though, because it starts off in violation. And then, like you said, she picks it up and she gets into it to the point where, you know, when they're done, you know, the poltergeist is there. And he's lighting two cigarettes, one for each of them, and her <laughs> one of them. <laughs> you don't see anything. You just see two You just see. Two, just eat two cigarettes. Now we know what kind of porn that monkey likes. There it is. <laughs> we figured it out. Solve the mystery. He likes poltergeist porn. <laughs> he doesn't have to see the cock to know that she's enjoying it. That's why I watch him tie. <laughs> this, this scene actually reminded me of Ghostbusters. You know, there's the blowjob scene oh, in yeah, Ghostbusters, yeah. and that's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what came into my head watching this. 
And, you know, yeah, it's enjoyable. She's a, an attractive female, and, you know, listen, you can't go wrong with that kind of thing. Then, of course, you have the one comment on our Instagram page when uh, it was posted that we're talking about this movie tonight, and somebody commented, it's all about the boobs. And I was like, yes, it is, because they are fine. Billy Connolly's oh, wife, oh, I... Pamela Stevenson. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but then, again, you get over to the Sinister Man once again getting his cult together so they could do this right, and they're all chanting and getting into it. But then he accidentally burns up. He's like, God damn it. God damn it. No, I didn't say you could say that. We didn't think you could say that. Oh, this candle, this candle. Stop saying what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go to the woods. Let's go to the woods. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> right, but at the same time, we have everyone getting together, and they're still doing all the, you know, all the silly blind jokes of having the blind guy walk into shit. And, you know, again, I'm simple, so I enjoyed that stupid shit, you know. <laughs> but, well, I didn't mind. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I thought it was funny when he walked into the wall and turned his robe around. <laughs> and then you have, again, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's just Vincent Price owning the scenes, like you said. Sorry, can go ahead. Well, because at the same time, you have the, the, the one American guy and the, the British girlfriend. They're looking for food. And for some reason, it's like, we can't find any food. There's got to be food around here somewhere. And they're like, well, let's go down to the basement. That's where the freezer is. And that's where they find all the meat. And he's like, well, it's going to take forever to thaw this out. But there's a meat pot here. We can just take that. A thaw? No, don't put it in the microwave. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trusting that. I'm not eating that. <laughs> Why is it there? And Nobody's been in this house for like fucking 10 years. <laughs> And I was expecting something to come out of the meat pie of other than what yes, what yep. we're getting ready to see. I was expecting something else of it was placed there, it was laced with something, you know, something else other than the scene we're getting ready to see. You know, I was expecting better. I, but we but we get the scene Which I didn't care for. I didn't care for that scene when they're sitting at the dinner table and they're all talking and then you have uh uh you know, you have mandible you know, all of a sudden convulsing and then dropping on top of the table, alien style, and you see all the bubbles popping up in his chest. You're like, holy shit, what's going on? And you're thinking that something's going to happen, but no, he just like gas and he had to burn. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's just no payoff. It's, like, it's just, it's fine. It's, but I was waiting for something to happen. Yeah, it's, it was too much build up to too little of a release, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was no good delivery. Essentially, is what it comes down to, man. And that's that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, they they looked like they were going to build to something. Yeah, it's like they didn't know what they were trying to build towards, but they were doing something, and they just made it into a perfect yeah. gag. Um, but yeah. then again, you go back to the sinister man in the woods now with his cult, and they're trying to get everything together <laughs> uh-huh. to make this one final thing to to cleanse the house and. <laughs> I love this scene because Vincent Price, being Vincent Price, he's like, all right, we got to get the faggots together. I don't think you could say that. He's like, oh, I think he means wood. I think he means we need to burn bumbles of wood. He's like, what else did you think I was trying to say? Come on, get those faggots. And you're like, I don't like the way you're saying that. <laughs> oh, it's inappropriate humor, but to me, I, just, I couldn't stop laughing at him. <laughs> And then before they start to fire, we have these moments of, you know, <laughs> him sitting there talking, and you just have all of these rumbles of thunder and stuff like that. And him going, uh, just so you know, Satan's pissed. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the one thumbing second. He's like, all right, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> yes, we, we know we messed up last time. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Yes, we know we messed up again because there's people in the house. He's still really pissed, guys. <laughs> yeah. I just love that one on the rubble where he's like, we're doing it. Stop. Jeez. Whenever he's the president in this movie again, I love it. Especially when he's trying to light the fire and he's like, who's got matches? I got matches, but there's too much wind. He's like, it's okay. My cape will cover the wind and we can light this fire. And he's like, wait a second, I'm on fire. No, this isn't, this is the worst. This isn't what I wanted to happen at all. I'm on fire now, you guys. And while while he's on fire, he's still bitching about how he's on fire. And I'm, during all these scenes, though, I just got to say, I'm laughing my ass off just because I'm imagining you in a situation because you you are the Satanist out of all of us. So I'm just yeah. imagining... So I'm just imagining you here, you're like either as Vincent Price go, come on, guys, or one of the other ones going, all right, let's do what Vincent Price says. And I'm just laughing my ass off about how you personally were taking all these <laughs> Satanist scenes. I love when they make Satanists fun in any movies, you know, when they don't take it too seriously, when they do it for comedic effect, because it is fun. You know, to think about these people worshiping Satan. You know, and especially in this movie, they do it so well because, you know, Satan, especially in horror films, satanic people are taken for evil. You know, we did Race with the Devil not that long ago where it's like they're all evil fucking people. You know, in this movie, they're just kind of bumbling assholes. <laughs> you know, they don't know left <laughs> from right. And you have a 700-year-old satanic priest in Vincent Price who's trying to tell them to do it the right way, and they still don't fucking know. But again, <laughs> after he burns up in a fire... You kind of get a cool going back to horror vibe where all of a sudden now you have clones of the group of scientists coming out of this hole and with the symbols on their hands. And I was like, okay, now we're going back into horror. Now we're going back into that realm where they're kind of creepy, you know, they're emotionless, you know, and they, they have a job to do. Yeah, and for this movie, it's like I gotta say, like I know how they did the effect. Uh, let's uh, forklift everybody. You know that's how they did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. it mm-hmm. and um, but at the same time, you know, literally it was just forklift. I I could figure that out. Oh yeah. But it mm-hmm. but it was a it but it was a good solid effect of them coming up out of the earth, lifting up, and then you know c- coming out and stepping out. Like I I thought it was pretty good. I was. You know, I was actually impressed with the effect. And, of course, Stephen and Elliot come out of the hole kissing. That's what you do because they're gay. (laughs) 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 Well, they come out together kissing. And they're like, okay, now we're on. So now it's just Steve's on this house. And now the clones are coming after the the people that we know. But I I just want to sit there and backtrack to the gay couple real quick. Is just at the same time how – I'm willing to give that movie props for willing to go there in a time where you yeah. did not do that. You know, they're willing Especially to be that racy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. On top of that. Sorry. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah it, I, it was pretty impressive for 84 for them to do an interracial gay couple, you know, in this movie mm-hmm. and not make too much of a joke out of it. I mean, they do, you know, a little bit, but at the same time, they kind of, they don't mess around with it too much. Um, yeah. But now it's the siege on the house of so the clones going after the people that, like I said, we know the scientists. You know, each being taken out in their own different ways. 
Right. And so again, the funny like thing, now, well, the funny thing step. too, that oh, we ahead, also know now is that all of those people in the bar that were having trouble keeping count were all the people that were murdered in the beginning of the movie. Yes, they were. Yep. You know, so it's funny that they couldn't couldn't keep count of their own murders that they committed themselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's a complete breakdown. Um, You know, so, yeah, you have these clones descending on the house, like I had said, and they're taking out the people that we do know these scientists. Mm -hmm. Um, Manville's taken out by his clone, and just the way that it was done with him ripping the pants off of Manville. And you see that leg. Then he just puts it towards the other leg, and he fucking burns him alive. And just putting that hand out there, like, I'm in control now. But he was the one clone that acted like Manville. Like, he was just trying to play this part for Coil. Yeah. Because Coil didn't know that this wasn't Manville anymore. This is a clone. But he was acting the part, which I thought was kind of cool. Right, and I think that that would have been like if we had more time for this movie to be longer. It didn't need to be. I'm just saying, if we did, then we probably would have right. seen more mm-hmm. performances like that. It was just, you know, obviously leader taking out leader, so you know, leader has to assume the role and the personality of the other people to get them where they need to be, so the bad things can happen. <laughs> let's and, split uh, up, and let's split up some more. <laughs> let's split up some more because we gotta take care of you, motherfuckers. <laughs> and the one that I really did enjoy it was uh, the the guy that was with Sheila in the movie when he goes up into one of the rooms and he whips up the the bed covers and there's this teddy bear laying there and he's like, oh, this is just a teddy bear, like it's completely innocent. And then when he falls onto the bed and the teddy bear gains sentience and stabs him, you know, it reminded me of a movie from the early 70s called Brotherhood of Satan, which did the exact same thing, where they took a doll, it became sentient, and it killed people. And it got red eyes, and I was like, oh, man, they're actually tapping into Brotherhood of Satan. That's a rare fucking one that nobody's probably going to know about. But I love the fact that they put it in the movie because of the way that they killed him. Yeah. The American in the bathroom with all the fucking tubs and everything going up in the blood. I was like, that's kind of that, cool. It's too red. That was, but it was fun. The, that, that, was a, that was a really nice fun scene. It really was. Of just, you know, them just running all the red water all over the place. You know, him not being able to get out. And then you just have those effects of just him literally getting sucked down into the toilet. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was fun. <laughs> sending, sending the fucking, you know, sending the yank down the fucking shitter. Yep. <laughs> well, it reminded me a lot of the blob from '88, when the one guy got sucked down the uh, the sink. Into the sink. When the blob came into the sink. Yep. And then you just see his legs getting kicked up, and then he's getting sucked down into the sink. So, like, I mean, even though this is '84, blob was '88, but um, you have Elliot and Steven downstairs looking at the monitors, looking at all the equipment. And the phone rings. He's like, all right, can you get that? He's like, but the phone hasn't worked in here in years. He's like, I guess I'll get it. And it was a great effect of him picking up the phone, and then all of a sudden a knife comes through that phone and stabs him in the mouth. Like, I was like, all right, mm-hmm. so I kind of like that. It was a cool little yeah, effect. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the hell happened there. I rewound that like two or three times. I couldn't figure out if it went yeah. through the wall or if it was supposed to be coming out of the phone or what, so... It was, that's what it was. It was supposed to be coming out of the mouth. Yeah, and then it went yeah. out the back. And they they tried. They tried really, really hard, and they almost 
nailed it of mm-hmm. doing the shots, okay, and um, you know, of showing the one body getting killed and then panning the camera around and then showing the clone somewhere else. And like they were almost almost there, except they were like just that like, you know, half a second off, unfortunately, of a smooth shot. You know, and unfortunately you you just caught that little edit, you know, clip right right in there. It's like they almost almost had it of smooth cinematography yeah. to do a really good shot. <laughs> and, and when Elliot gets killed by his clone and it's strangling death, he's like, Is this kinda like suicide? <laughs> well, he, was, he doesn't was, count as suicide, you know, because again, they're yeah. Christians, and you, yeah, you know, want to go to hell. English Christians, yeah, you know, so that's why he was asking, does this count as suicide? He's <laughs> like, yeah, but you're gay, so you're probably going to hell anyway. So you're <laughs> <laughs> probably going anyway, but yeah. it was it was a great effect. And then when you have the American girlfriend going to find him, and she finds his clone and thinks that it's him. And then they use that fucking mole finally for effect of a rat coming out of it and killing her. <laughs> I liked it. It was fun. I mean, it's a cheesy effect, but it, I thought it worked. Yeah. Again, you know, here that we're now, you know, we're now getting into special effects territory. We're having some fun, you know, and, you know, this is obviously where all the money went or <laughs> into the episode. I didn't go into the acting of this movie, you know, but hell, you know, fuck it. We're kind of in a horror movie now. I wouldn't Roll go there, yeah. though, man. You know, again, I think that they are acting exactly as the film demands for them to be. You know, yeah. I mean, they mm-hmm. they wanted a specific type of performance out of these people. It's got to be comedy, but it's also still trying to be somewhat of a horror movie, you know. I know the one uh, actress, the, uh, the blonde, the only other thing I know I've ever seen her in was uh, Superman 3. Yep. Yeah, and she, and she uh, also for a little bit of time was on Saturday Night Live in the 80s. Oh, yes, she was. Okay. Yep. Um, so then you have uh, Sheila, and when she gets killed, it's it's her mother coming back to her in that confessional fucking booth. Or it's actually her. <laughs> and then for some reason, they go Star Wars with it, and she's got a lightsaber. Yes, they do. For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the Full fuck on is Star Wars. Not expecting like, that at all. No, no. When it happens, you're like, what the fuck? They're going, all right, Star Wars. And she's just going to cut off her head, and that's going to be the end of it. Okay, okay, and okay. And again, you okay. know, like, I got all the other references that were leading up. Like, there was the Jaws scene, you know, which was really yeah, yeah. funny. Was really, really funny, man. You know, you got the, the music going, <laughs> yeah. and it's filled it up. And that's probably the only scene in the film that, like, actually got me to, like, laugh out loud, okay? When he opens the door, <laughs> there he is with that gigantic fucking viola or bass, Hello. whatever the hell that thing was. <laughs> you know, it was just great. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. All right. We're going back to the Star Wars scene. All right. This was not Star Wars scene. This was an Empire Strikes Back scene. All right. What they were doing is they were going. What they were doing is they were picking on the cave scene from Empire Strikes Back, where you were going, where Luke was in Jedi training, and he was going there to reflect upon himself. Which is why when you go, she sees all the things that are kind of in that storage unit that open storage unit, it's all of her stuff from her past. So it's all the stuff about her Catholicism, the things of her raising up. And then she has to face her Darth Vader in the cave, which is why Darth Vader shows up with a lightsaber, but then cuts the bitch's head off. That was what that whole entire scene was about. 
Yeah, Bro, I just got deep so, on that shit. Yeah, you it was went real nowhere. deep on that, man. It, 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 was, it was a Star Wars scene, man. <laughs> yeah, that's all I thought it was. Yeah. I wasn't specific. I was like, it's Star Wars. That's me coming out as a Star Wars fan, you know? Like, look, I love, yeah, I I love Star Wars, man, but I, I wasn't thinking too deeply into this one. It was just Star Wars. Okay. Um, but then you get uh, you have Coil <laughs> and you have Manville going into the secret lair of this house, and they find the grave of somebody in there. And they're reading all these books about all these Satanists and what they're all about. But then you find out that they're kind of aliens and that they're there to cleanse the house. And the big reveal is that you're actually not talking to Manville. You're talking to his clone. And then all the others join him in this room. And it's like, oh, shit, i got to get out of this because I don't want to be here right now. And, oh, my God, my clone just showed up, and that's fucked up. (laughs) So who's going to save me? The poltergeist will. I took the grave and the burned body as Vincent Price because he burned up. Oh, man, I didn't even think of that. That's a good call. So that is, yeah, yeah but that's that a, probably is his body. Yeah, but that's a really fast fucking move. We're talking about in the same night. So? This is the up, movie so that you're talking about here, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. Anything goes. And, I, yeah, I go with the ghoul that that is Vincent Price. That is a sinister man. But you get that big reveal, and she's trying to escape. They're crowding her. And then the poltergeist comes down to save her. And she's like, oh, there it is. Oh, yes. Like, you know, and beaming off in a cartoonish light. And then you just have the, the kind of not so great uh, cartoon graphic of her flying against the yeah. moon, being orgasmed. Like, it's, uh, it was okay. You know, it's 84, so I give it some kind of credence. But, man. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! Okay. I was like, they even got an ET mm. reference in here, you know? The sh- and the ship's flying mm. off, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's like one part ET, one part Close Encounters, and then you got yeah. that POV shot through the fucking bushes, and it's like, wow, man, you really are going straight up ET. Yeah, yeah, I was I, surprised. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that that's what they were going for until, like, I read after the fact. And, yeah, that's what they were going for, straight up E.T. Entire. Oh, well, no. Yeah, the, that's the, actually, oh, yeah. shit, yeah. not again. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. all I needed to see because, you know, E.T. got left the last time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great when it happens because you get the ship, you know, rising up. there. like, we cleanse this house. It's finally cleansed. That was my poltergeist kind of reference. This house this is house clear. This house is clear. This house is clean. <laughs> Well, it was also oh, a then you get, like, horror reference. Yes, yeah, it was, of the, the spaceship lifting up. And then, yeah, like the ghoul uh-huh. was saying, you get the little POV shot, and then saying, oh, shit, not again. That's actually Michael McIntyre, who's the son of Ray Cameron, who provided the voice for E.T. in that particular sequence. Which I thought oh, was like having okay. a little kid. Nice. Saying, oh, shit, not again. <laughs> yeah. And you know, overall, and... It's, a great, it's a great fan pick. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, like, I had fun with it. Like, you know, uh, again, like the goal had said, you know, and I agree with him. It's like, yeah, I think if we had all grown up with this movie, you know, as kids and watching it over and over and over again, we would fucking love this movie. We we would be, you know, hardcore fans of this movie, you know. But we didn't – unfortunately, we did not grow up watching this movie, you know. So we gave it uh, – <laughs> Of course you did. I saw it a couple times. I mean, I rented it a couple times when I was younger. Like I said, I was like 12 or 13. But again, you know, I, I did rent it back when I was a kid, but it wasn't a movie that stayed with me. It wasn't like one of those movies that I was like, oh, man, 
this fucking movie, I can't wait for everybody to watch it. It was just kind of a movie that I rented because I was renting movies at the time. Mm. Um, during a time mm. when I was involved heavily in the 70s English horror, so I was really a big fan of Hammer and Amicus at the time, so I was always renting Tales from the Crypt, and then a lot of the horror uh, from Hammer, like Flesh for Frankenstein and Blood for Dracula. So when I rented this one, I was kind of expecting Did it to you? be the same thing, Did but no, it's a comedy. Vanilla Ice, my bad. So the Adams family. That's what he did. I'm sorry. I'm see how did the Adams yeah. family rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, yeah. It was MC Hammer who did that for Adams family. Um, but again, uh, guys, this was a fantastic episode. So if you do have a fanfic, if you have a movie that you want us to talk about. Hit us up on Instagram.com slash Talking Terror. Hit us up on Facebook.com slash Talking Terror. We'd love to hear what you guys want us to talk about. Uh, this one was presented to us by Rebecca, so thank you so much for Bloodbath at the House of Death. And then moving on to the next one. So, Ghoul, next week we turn to you for our pick. What do you have for us? And you know what, man? I spent all day thinking about this, and I was going to go in one okay. direction, which was a newer film from overseas, mm-hmm. a lot of controversy because of what, you know, it, it recently did during the awards season. Then oh. I was like, you know what? I just don't really feel like watching that movie again. Not this movie. And, and I don't feel like giving that movie the talking terror treatment. Not right now. I'm going to wait a little bit, and then I'm going to go with that one. But we're still going to go overseas. We're still going to cross the, the Pacific Ocean. But we're going to land on the island instead. And we, okay, guys, we are going to cover Ichi the Killer. Oh, oh yes. Happy. Happy about that one. I am a huge Ichi fan, so I cannot wait to talk about this fucking movie next week. Like, I am yes, fanboying out right now. I've wanted to talk about Ichi fun. the Killer for the longest time. I love it. Oh. I cannot wait. I, I'm such a huge Ichi fan. So... And that's a big thanks to Eli Roth for that back in the day for introducing me to Ichi the Killer. <laughs> if it wasn't for him during when he was doing Capital but I never would have seen Ichi the Killer. So I cannot wait to talk about that one next week. So great one. Um, I cannot wait to reopen that. So, okay, Mucky, thank you so much for joining us and presenting Rebecca's pick tonight. I want to go ahead and sign yourself off. Yeah. Good call. And I'm your cuddly little mad monkey. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. All right. Gore, do you have a plug? Do you have anything you want to talk about as we close out the episode? Yeah, I got a little doubles thing going on, man. Uh, first and foremost, yeah. I'll be... yeah, boy. Uh, no, I don't know about all that, but. Uh... I have never that excited. That is not true. Sometimes I am. Uh, as, as you can see, my bipolar today has got me kind of in that like medium to medium low range. You know, I'm not riding high That's right okay. now. Um, hey, I know it is. You're I, doing I great. Myself. I, I, deal with, I deal with me. I'm good. Um, that being said, Theater of Terror has had its like official release. They got like picked up. They're like actually like really for sale. Like, like, DVDs and shit like that, man. You're not talking about like something getting like pressed in somebody's like living room. We're talking about like actual full on release, man. Go to Amazon. Go buy Theater of Terror. It's an awesome. Oh movie. man. It's a nice anthology. I'm in it. Okay, you can't go wrong. Now, it is a great set of anthology films. Very hardworking, New Jersey made. 
Every single person put their blood, sweat, and tears into this damn into this film. Go, go ahead. Right on Amazon. Theater spelled the fancy way. The R before E, not the E before R. Theater Terror. <laughs> and there you go. You know, uh, right again. So it's on sale on Am- at Amazon. You know, just just look that up and you're good to go. And of course, number two, because uh, we all have to do it. Oh no, not that number two. My bad. Um, so yes, <laughs> we do my, though. My second, my yes, we do. Of course we do. But we're not going into scatological humor right now. Bonfire uh, on, shoot, dude. on Etsy. You know the complete opposite of shit. Uh, you know the cool girl has been working her ass off. She's been making all kinds of stuff. I'd like to sit there and tell you that there's all kinds of holidays coming up, and there's really not right now. You know, I don't know. Uh, well, Patrick's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's She's not making nothing for St. Yeah. Patrick's Day right now. She's just making stuff. She's creative, and she's been making really beautiful stuff lately. She's gotten hit with that that bug, and, you know, woe to oh, me yeah. because there's shit that I'm stepping on, shit that I'm sitting on. You know, I can't, can't find any open space anywhere, but so is the life when it's you're like dealing with somebody that's artistic that way. It's like a house <laughs> full of Legos, man. It's jewelry stuff here, art stuff there, picture stuff here. I find my little tiny holes and I sit in them and just read or play my games when I can, you know. I, I finally like your start playing some of these. Yeah, I love holes. Absolutely. Big <laughs> holes, man. Shia LaBeouf, all the way. Yeah, but it breaks down to this St. Patrick's Day. You want to get lucky? Go to Bonfire Beat Designs. Buy, buy your significant other That's cool a fancy shit. way of saying it. Go to Bonfire. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is, all right, you get lucky, which means the ghoul, which means the ghoul gets lucky, which means we get lucky, which means you get lucky again because you get a better broadcast because everyone's happy. So, Fire Beat Designs. Buy some shit for your significant other so everyone gets lucky and everyone gets happy. All right, moving on. All <laughs> one word, Etsy, bonfire bead designs. <laughs> <laughs> monkey just stole that fucking plug right away from the ghoul. I got this shit. Man, enjoy it. You do it, man. Take a back seat. <laughs> That's why they call me the prince of this broadcast. I'm taking over. I'm creating all this shit. Just for you guys. Yes. Yes. Jerome. <laughs> Tell him, prince. King, get my, King, get my mirror. <laughs> what you talking about? You better have my mirror. Yeah. Yes. For I'm going to walk right over here. I hope that's for doing okay and not for shaving your balls, but it's all good. <laughs> all right. So, why don't you hit us with that classic catchphrase as we close out tonight's episode? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. We'll see you back here next week where we're going to be talking about the ghouls pick of Ichi the Killer. Hail Satan, yeah. hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. We'll see you back here next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. Good night, everybody. Ah.